At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Sportsman's Nation is a 2% for conservation certified business. And on August 21st, you can join other conservationists all over the world in supporting Community Conservation Day. It's a day for anyone to give their time and or dollars back to their local ecosystems and favorite conservation causes. For more information on how you can participate, visit fishandwildlife.org. Welcome, folks, to the Freshwater Bite Podcast, your source for everything freshwater fishing. I'm your host, Lee Kleino, and on this podcast, you will hear from diehard anglers like yourself, the backstories of those anglers, techniques they use, gear reviews, and everything in between. So if you like fishing, turn it up, because this episode's about to kick off right now. Hi everybody! Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. What's uh, what's been going on with you guys? Because hopefully you've been enjoying some time on the water, and uh, you know there's a lot of tournaments kicking off this time of year in late spring, and it's kind of fitting for this episode because I'm joined by Ryan Petrovicius. Ryan and I were introduced through a mutual friend, Freddie Wickenizer, who was his tournament partner in their recent tournament they fished together on the uh, Michigan Walleye Tour here out of uh, Bulls Harbor in Michigan. And the reason why I wanted to have Ryan on the podcast is he kind of talks about his beginnings of kind of his mindset of what gave him the confidence to go into um, tournament fishing on a bigger stage, coming from this idea of growing up fishing on inland lakes, buying you know a 16-foot boat, how that led to buying you know a 20-foot ranger down the road. And just like what happens to all of us with anything that we get really into or passionate about, you know, we you either dive in, you go all in, or you're, you just kind of half-ass it. And in order to be successful in this sport on this big of a stage, in order to continue to push yourself, you can't really half-ass anything. And, you know, Ryan talks about what he had to do, you know, getting a bigger boat, you know, starting a charter business um, to get more time on the water, just that continuous push yourself to to become better at whatever your craft is um and ryan really talks about uh you know what he had to do and uh some adversity that him and freddie faced uh during this tournament with high winds and stuff like that and how they fish so just relax enjoy this episode and uh yeah here's ryan all right man well hey welcome to the podcast um you know thanks for doing this taking it out of your busy time i really appreciate it I thought it would be a great time to get you on the podcast because uh, I think you and Freddie had an interesting story heading out into the second stop of the Michigan Walleye Tour, which seems to be gaining more and more popularity, um, kind of as like a, you know a staple tournament here in the Midwest. Yeah, I'd say it's it's definitely one of the it's the biggest one in the state of Michigan for sure. The payouts are excellent. Uh, just this re- this past year, they uh, kind of cleaned house and revamped the whole uh the event committee and board and everything like that and they're they wanted this to be like one of the premier uh team team 
tournaments and you know around they, they want people from all over the country coming here for for the michigan walleye tour which is kind of nice why do you think that is just because i mean we've got such great fisheries around here and it just hasn't been promoted to the level that uh we all know it can it can be yeah i think you know just Michigan, you know, the Detroit River walleye run is, you know, there's people that come from all over the country, like my, you know, charters and stuff. People are coming from Nebraska and Indiana and all over just to come do the world famous Detroit River walleye run. Right. And then you got Lake Erie too, which is just insane, full full of walleye, the record numbers of, of walleye right now in the, in the system. Right. And it's good to see the other stops on the on the tour as well because I mean everyone thinks of Lake Erie and the Detroit River obviously as being walleye meccas, but there's so many other great bodies of water from inland lakes um, up north even to uh, you know like Bay to Knock and things like that that a lot of people don't even know about. Yeah, and I you know unfortunately I'm not doing the whole tour this year. I just did the first two uh, local ones, but I was really excited. You know, and any fisher, I like to challenge myself. So I, I enjoy going to new bodies of water and trying to dissect and figure out, you know, are, do they hang out in rocks over here? Do they hang out in weeds over here? You know, um, I, I haven't fished the, um, what's it, the Escanaba area. I haven't fished that. I really wanted to do that, but I have a normal, you know, Monday through Friday job and that doesn't really help you know going up there i would be just be a donator pre-fishing for two or three days it's a lot of area to cover especially for somebody that hasn't ever been up there then you know burt mullet lake too this year would would be great i've never fished up there and i heard it's a really really nice bite up there Um, yeah yeah, when i was living up uh in traverse city area i'd go over and fish burt um you know a couple times and uh, you know more for on the ice um but i can I, i can vouch to say that that uh that walleye um, body of water is definitely, you know, becoming more and more of a popular name and a staple here in the state of Michigan. So yeah, it's good to see the tour kind of getting around. And I agree. I think this, this should be one of those tours that, um, you know, a a lot of people hopefully get more involved with and, um, becomes as like, you know, we were talking about one of those flagships of the, the walleye tournaments in the, in the Midwest region. But, um, you know, we're going to get into the nitty gritties of a lot of the things in your past uh, tournament that you just completed here two weeks ago. But, you know, always on the podcast, I always like to have people talk a little bit about themselves and kind of tell, you know, who you are, where you're from and, you know, how you kind of got involved into uh, where you're at now. Yeah, well, I started, uh, you know, I grew up in Wyandotte up until 10th or till I was in fifth grade. And my uncle always had boats you know, and not even any nice, super nice, crazy boats. You know, we just had boats and we went out and we just loved fishing. Um, our whole family rented cabins up on Houghton Lake for years since before I was born. So I, I grew up fishing on that lake a week per year on that lake every single year for 20 something years. And, uh, you know, we just go out there. We had no electronics starting off. And even if we did have any type of electronics, we had just the, you know, cheap electronics that showed a little fish swimming across your screen. Right. So, right. you know, <laughs> just the fish icon. <laughs> we, so we, we weren't, we weren't really targeting species, right. We go out there, you know, right. what are you fishing for? Oh, what, whatever's biting, you know? Yep. And, um, we, we started like that and I was hooked, you know, no pun intended. I was hooked and 
I, you know, watching my uncle get a boat and, you know, fishing off of that thing. We'd, we would drift crawler harnesses and drift, uh, Erie Deeries in Lake Erie and Breast Bay, you know, again, no, no electronics, no GPS, no nothing. And we would do pretty good. We would catch walleye. We didn't know why we didn't know where they were, but we'd go out and catch walleye. And, you know, from there I graduated uh, college and stuff. So I had a little bit of jingle in my pocket and I went out and bought my very first boat, which was a 1990 tracker pro guide 16 footer or something like that. Nice. Had a 40 horse Johnson. Um, and that was the first boat I actually had electronics that worked where I can actually see hooks. That was back when we didn't even have color. Oh boy. <laughs> so, so, you know, but, but just a step up from what you were used to. Here starts that process of you figuring out why the fish are there and all that kind right, of stuff. Right now, I can see stuff. What are they? I'm not sure. Let's catch it and find out. You know, and uh, you know, and then you just progress from there. And next thing you know, fast forward five, six, seven, eight years later, and I'm doing the Michigan Walleye Tour and uh, run a charter business and. Here we are. You know, I think I'm on my fourth or fifth boat right now. Yeah. How do you and, cycle through them? So like what, I mean, you just, do you have your eye, you know, set on a certain type and you just kind of wanted to get to there or like kind of talk I, about how you wanted to get to the, to what you're into now. Um, well, I'm not, I'm not really a settler, right? So I, I always want to better myself and better my equipment. And, uh, so, you know, once I, Got had that tracker. I'm like, all right, well, this is nice for inland lakes. And then uh, I had a boss that always that he had a 18 foot tracker Targa 18 uh, with the walkthrough windshield. And I always told him when he worked when I worked for him, I was like, whenever you sell that, let me know. This will be the greatest boat ever. This will be the last boat I ever buy. And I think I've said that three times so far. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know and. He said, oh, I'm selling it. I said, all right, perfect. I sold my boat and bought that one. And once I bought that one, I was like, all right, well, I can handle bigger bodies of water. I can go out and learn uh, newer bodies of water. I had a way better bow mount trolling motor. My last one, you could barely keep vertical in the Detroit River. And, um, you know, I was just taking that boat out there fishing Houghton Lake. And really, there was there was a turning point that went from me being fun fishing to, okay, let's get into the competition. And the turning point, you know, like many stories start is I met a guy at the bar. We are sitting there, you know, I think it was hunting season. And my buddy, we just got done planting some food plots. And my buddy and I went to the bar in Houghton Lake. And we were talking walleye. And the guy heard us talking about walleye. And he's like, oh, you should get in the Michigan walleye tour. You know, I told him what kind of boat I had. He's like, oh, that'll be plenty for this and plenty for that. His name's Mike. He'll probably be listening to this at one point in time. But ever since I met him, it's been, I hopped right onto the tournament trail and kind of hopped on his coattails, learned a lot about from him and and many of the other guys on the tour and learned that the, uh, that the aluminum tracker boat's probably not, the best boat to do an entire Michigan walleye tour and the big bodies of water. So then I had to upgrade. So four years after I bought that 18 foot tracker, I bought a Ranger 621. And then four years after that, I bought another 621, 
which brings us to the present day. <laughs> kind of getting back to meeting that guy, Mike, in the bar, um, and then going to your first tournament, him giving you that encouragement to get on to do that. Was that intimidating at all, coming into a bigger tournament like that? It was very intimidating based on the numbers of boats, first of all. And then at the same time, I didn't know him very well at that time. Yeah. I knew him for a couple of months, so I didn't know if he was just being like, oh, well, another donator, right? Get somebody in there that can... Uh, Explain to folks what a donator is. <laughs> a donator is going to be somebody that enters a tournament that kind of doesn't have a chance. I would know? be a donator. Like, <laughs> I, I don't... There's There's some types of... I mean, I'm sure, like, just for example, this last Lake Erie tournament, um, I mean, there are four or five footers for two days straight. Uh, a lot of the boats that entered it probably unintentionally became donators because they could not run to make, you know, they could not go find the fish. They were kind of stuck right out front in Michigan waters. Yeah, but, and, and that's that's with, like, anything that you get into, right? Whether that be any kind of competition sport, it's like, how far do you want to take it, right? I mean that point right there, like you said, it kind of separates those who can get on the bigger fish and those who have to settle for, um, you know, a, a, a lot smaller playing field than what you guys are able to go out and, you know, confidently mm -hmm. do based on your equipment. Right. Like, the, I mean, for the Michigan walleye tour, the only rule was obviously we can't fish Canada right now, but your only rule was you can't refuel. So some guys have a 16 gallon tank. Some guys have a 60 gallon tank. Right. So, you're limited to where your boat can take you. Yeah. Regardless of the waves, right? Right. So you get so you you know, you start to cut your teeth in the on the bigger tournament. Was your first tournament with the Ranger or was it with your tracker? No, first one was with the tracker. Okay. And uh it was I I wanna say there was hundred and twenty boats, hundred and twenty five boats, and I think we finished top thirty. On your first one? Thirty six or something like oh, that. Oh dang, yeah, dude. That's if pretty I'm, good. If I if I remember correctly, we did we were in the top third and we were really surprised. Um, we had, you know, a 12 volt trolling motor. And I remember we did pretty good on day one. I don't remember what place we were in on day one, but on day two, um, the wind came out of the South, right up to the Detroit river. And I don't know if you're too familiar with the South wind on the river, but down by Grozeal and Celeron um, yep. Island and stuff like that, it was kicking up some pretty oh, yeah. four or five foot waves and you know a little 18 foot boat aluminum boat that sits on top of the water as opposed to a glass boat that sits in the water is uh getting blown around and if i remember correctly we ran out of battery juice we only had one battery right on a 12 volt system we ran out of battery juice i think we came in early at around one o'clock i don't even remember how many fish we had maybe we had five i don't know but yeah, for you know our little debut um, to finish top thirty in the conditions and just be in the first uh, big tournament I've ever been in, it was pretty exciting. So it had to give you a confidence boost going into the next event, or at least trying to say like, "Hey, I can do this." Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, I, I don't know. You're always your worst critic, right? So right. I'm, I'm always super hard on myself. I mean, even. Any tournament I go into, I, when I come into weigh-in, I'm like, yeah, well, there's other guys out there that are probably 30 pounds more than us, you know? Sure. But then usually, typically, the f when I keep that attitude, 
typically when I show up to the scales, it's uh, we have a pretty respectable finish every time. How has that changed your attitude towards walleye fishing just in general? Just how you, you know, approach a body of water or when you go out? I mean, a lot of it obviously is catching fish, but it's also catching the right fish at the right time in the tournament. You know what I mean? Like, you know, your morning bite's going to be a lot different than your 10 o'clock a.m. morning bite is going to be different than your, you know, your early afternoon bite. So that's when you kind of get into the strategy of, you know, tournament walleye fishing. Um, how long did it kind of take you to be on that more strategic side of, you know, things of, of when to catch the right fish? Um, I, I, in my opinion, I still don't think I'm the most strategic. Um, I am not the best at the whole scientific and migratory and this and this and this, a lot of my stuff, I just try to do on instinct. I, I let my electronics and I let I let the fish tell me what's going on. Okay. I don't, I don't, I'm not one of those guys that say, oh, this time last year we were fishing here and we were landing a bunch of 10 pounders. Okay. I'll go check that spot, but I let, I let my electronics and just, I don't know if it's instinct or what. I just let that kind of lead me and, and drive until I find fish. And when I find fish, then we fish. So you're not one of those guys that fishes off of memories, honey holes, things like that. You're always constantly moving. If there aren't fish, you move on to the next spot. Yep. Yep. I'm always, I'm always moving. If we don't catch a fish, well, tournament's a little different, but I I would say in chargers, if we don't get a fish within 20 minutes or so, it's on to the next spot. I don't, I don't ever, I don't ever put any of my gear in the water unless my graph is showing some hooks. How did uh, you get into the chartering business? Well, I guess the biggest thing would be being a donator in the tournaments. You know, you're you're uh, spending all this money, you know, taking all the time off of work to, uh, you know, to go to the hotels and try to pre-fish and try to do a, you know, have a respectable finish. Try to finish in the money. Like my goal is always to, you know, break even for the weekend. Sure. So in your, you know, and I was I'm. I consider myself still pretty new. I've been doing the Michigan walleye tour for maybe five years, six years. And, uh, you know, going to these new bodies of water, the ones that I'm not comfortable in, like for example, Saginaw Bay, can I go out there and catch fish in Saginaw yet? Bay? Yeah. But can I go out there and put a tournament together without pre-fishing for probably a week straight? I would say no. Okay. And there's a lot of good fishermen out there that know where all these rock piles are and know where, big fish hangout. So, um, I don't remember the question. What was the question? No, you're doing good. So yeah, <laughs> just like how the chart, how did you got in? Oh, how to get charting? Charting. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So the, then, uh, you know, just kind of came, well, I can, I can catch fish. I can put some people on fish. Why not, you know, bring in some money every time I take the boat out instead of pay money every time I take the boat out. That was kind of my black and white um, thought behind the whole thing. You know, take the boat out, get paid to do what I like to do. And I I grew up coaching like hockey and everything, and I love teaching people. Okay. So the chartering thing is actually a lot more rewarding to me than the tournaments. Tournaments, I love the uh, the competition, the camaraderie, and all that other stuff. The chartering thing is for me to like give back to people and say, "Hey, this is how you do this, and this is how you do this," and you know, teaching people why why we're fishing here. You know what this means on the screen, and like that's 
that's what I like more out of it. I consider myself pretty fortunate to, you know, be able to have the type of boat that I have and uh, have the equipment that we have. And I just like sharing that with other people. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, that's an, uh, an important, you know, in my opinion, I think it's what keeps people like you engaged in the sport and, you know, it, it kind of changes it up between, you know, teaching people and at the same time, then, you know, giving into your competitive side where you're like, you know, I'm learning while I'm making money, but I'm also like taking that knowledge and figuring out how to apply it to my competitive side. I think you've got a good balance there. And I think a lot of people, again, another intimidating thing is chartering. A lot of people feel that pressure of, you know, wow, I don't know if I can put people on fish every day. And if they weren't to catch a fish, what would that mean to me? You know what I mean? Like that's a lot of pressure too. But if you're teaching at the same time, I think that time on the boat would be a lot more valuable to that customer rather than just nonstop catching fish all the time. Yeah, that, that definitely worries me. I've had, you know, and I'm sure any charter captain out there would speak and say, we've had those days, right? You've had those days where you, you know, it's wildlife. You can't guarantee that, you know, four limits of fish are going to hop in the boat. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, some days there's good days, some days there's bad days. Um, and that, that definitely is in the back of my mind when I first, very first started chartering, um, I would freak out if we didn't have a limit in, you know, in the morning. Right. And you know, I was, I, my mind was still in that tournament mentality. Right. Right. So I have to switch, I have to switch mentally to, you know what, these guys are out here having a good time. They won't, you know, getting away from the work, getting away from the house or whatever they're doing. And, uh, you know, they don't care. Some, some guys don't care if they catch five fish, one fish, zero fish. They're just out having a good time. And that, that's one thing that I've learned throughout this year is just to switch my mindset that these guys are having fun, whether we catch fish or not. I mean, obviously I would love to put, you know, tons of limits on the boats every single day, but that's just not reality. Sure. Well, I mean, I think it's cool. when you th- If you r- think about it this way, people are spending their fun free time in your boat. So it's like, everybody's already happy to be there because <laughs> they're not at work, like you said, or they're not at home having the, um, you know, whatever it is, if there's chores or things lined up, they're spending their free time away from work and away from their families or with their families on the water. So I think like that mindset, everybody's already stoked just to be out there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, that, you know, when some people that show up to the chart, to the launch and they see the boat that I have, and many other guys have, you know, I didn't know they made motors that big. You know, I have a 300 horsepower. (laughs) I didn't know. Oh my gosh, look at the size of that. You know, it's, it's, I'm, like I said, I'm very fortunate to have this kind of like inside inside view of kind of the walleye world and, and, and fishing world, you know, that I take for granted. And that's what that's what a lot of the charters do to me. It, it brings me back down to earth like, hey, there's there's these guys that just love being out here and love fishing. And, you know, sometimes if they we catch a species that's not on the target list, they love it just as much, too. Sure. You know? And you're learning at the same time. I mean, Absolutely. I mean, time on the water is, you know, that's what they always talk about. How do you catch more fish? More and more time on the water. Yep. Practice makes perfect. Yeah. So how'd right. you get linked up with uh, our buddy, Freddie? I got linked up by Fred. My cousin's husband went to school with Fred. 
Okay. Went to high school with Fred. You did you go to high school with Fred? Yeah, yeah, yep. That's how I know yeah. Fred. We played football That's together. Joel Bonk. Yep. Yes, sir. Joel, Joel Bonk is my cousin's husband. Okay. So you so, meet this other walleye nut, Freddie, down here in the the South, South County, and yep. you guys decided this year to go in on uh, on Erie together for stop number two. Or did you, did he fish stop number one with you too, or just stop no, number two? No, just two. Okay, just two. I did. Uh, I did the first stop with my other buddy. Okay, so uh, kind of describe going into this tournament what the walleye are doing and what the weather's like. So this is. This was what the first week of May or last yep. week of April. Yep, first week of May, May first and second, I believe. Okay, so you know, for everybody listening out there, everyone knows the famous walleye run. You know, typically starts in the month of April. Um, you know, the head-to-head fishing tournament was in April. You have the first stop of the Michigan Walleye Tour in April. Um, so now that the second stop is basically Lake Erie. So, kind of describe what the fish are doing this time of year. And, um, you know, what it was like going into the tournament, uh, the week prior, uh, and then leading up to launch day. Well, it's funny because this year is a weird year as far as fish go. Uh, I think in my opinion, again, I'm not a marine biologist or anything like that, but in my opinion, the migration and everything was early this year. Due to we had record temperatures in um, March and April. Yep, it was really warm in March and April. The water temperature just went from you know thirty eight degrees to forty eight degrees almost in a week. Yeah. So I, in in my mm. opinion, those fish went up to the river, did their thing, and they were out before before people kind of knew what was going on. Um, I think everybody was still going for those big fish out on the big bodies of water and like you said, it jumped so fast that I don't think anybody even thought about running up the river. Right. Like right now I'm, I haven't been on the river and since the Michigan walleye tour in April, but right now there's, they're catching fish in the river hand over fist right now. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I spend most of my time on Erie anyway. Um, but I knew at this time of the year, you know, the fish are on their way back out of the river, even, even in, on a normal year, they'd be on their way back out of the river and, you know, they've already done their deed and start heading east into the deeper water. So we knew we we had to get them between, you know, between the river and however far our boat can take us in, uh, in the second walleye tour there. Um, but what were water temps that week when you guys were fishing? Uh, water temps were in the high 40s okay, and mid low 50s. Um, we, and that, we found and, we found some cooler spots in certain areas, and yeah, there. I think we ranged from like fifty-two down to forty-eight was pretty much our the range that I remember. Okay, and the weather. Talk about the weather that week of when you guys were fishing. So the weather. Our plan was we were going to pre-fish three days. We were going to pre-fish Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And um, we talked about, you know, Wednesday was the looking like the nicest day. And we talked about, you know, between Freddie and I, we, we fished Erie quite, quite a bit in Michigan water. So I think we had a pretty good idea of, you know, what was happening in the Michigan portion. And, you know, 
Michigan doesn't have a whole lot of Lake Erie. It's still a ton and ton of water, but nothing compared to Ohio, right? So yep. we fished Wednesday in Michigan, and we just checked a bunch of spots that we didn't really normally fish. And I mean, we caught fish all day there. And then Tuesday or Thursday, we went out and the wind was supposed to be blowing northeast out of the northeast up to like 20 to 30 miles an hour. And we were out, we stayed in a hotel in Port Clinton. Actually, Freddie drove back and forth from Monroe. No. So I, I stayed in Port Clinton. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we woke up in the morning on Thursday morning and, you know, all my other friends that were there, other other guys, tournament guys, oh, we, there's no way we're going. There's no way. There's going to be eight footers, 10 footers out there, blah, 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 blah. And uh, Thursday we went out. It was pretty rough. It was threes, maybe the occasional fours, pretty rough, but it was fishable. And, you know, this, this whole Michigan walleye tour tournament stuff, it's not for the week, man. You got to, you got to go out there and put in the effort. I, I know that from tournaments prior, you know, I wouldn't, if, if it was raining, I wouldn't go pre-fish or if it was blowing, you know, over 15 miles an hour, I wouldn't go pre-fish. It was just me being lazy. And, uh, okay. lately, lately I haven't been as lazy. So where does that come from? Does that come from the confidence within your boat now that you're driving a glass or are you just, or is that more of a mental thing where you're like, if I don't put myself in this uncomfortable situation, I'm never going to be up on that leaderboard. Um, it, the, the boat, the confidence in the boat and the uh, electronics is huge for sure. But, um, just, just not, not, you know, fishing for five, four or five years, not cashing checks or not being in the top 10 or not doing this is just, you know, something's missing. I'm doing something wrong last year, right. Or two years ago sure. or three years ago. Um, so this year I was just like, I'm, you know, I'm going to try. You can't, can't quit. You can't just say, Oh no, I can't do that. Or, you know, just go for it. What, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen. It's going to be cold and windy and, you know, maybe some rain, you're going to get wet. whoop de doo We all have rain gear, you know, just, just do it. That's kind of been my philosophy this year is just go for it. And obviously you found like, that's what obviously a gives you the confidence, but B separates those who can finish on that top third or cash a check and those who can't. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, I, I got a bunch of friends on uh, that are on the tour that they fish in some pretty crazy weather. I've, I've been on a team with a guy that, I mean, it didn't matter. We were, we were fishing, right? It's just, we're going, we're going, we're going, we have to go. We're in this tournament. Like we have to go, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys that, you know, you got to go in with the mentality. We're going in it for 10 grand per tournament. Plus, you know, Saginaw tournament this year is 25 grand. So you're, you're not going in it for, you know, $1,500. Like you're, you're in it to win it. Right. So you got to put in the effort. Well, here's the other thing too. There's a lot of people on this tour that know Erie very well. And there's also some bigger names that people know very well. And you know, the reason why they're successful is because they are going out in this these weather conditions and they are putting in, you know, 110%, you know, they don't become recognizable or they don't cash that many checks over the years by playing it safe or sitting on the sidelines, um, you know, waiting for the perfect fishing conditions. Yeah, it's like, 
it's just, you know, equate it to any other sport. You don't leave anything left on the field, right? Right. I mean, the only difference is we're sitting in boats and not skating around a rink or dribbling a basketball up and down the court. So I've got actually got a question just from the outside is, you know, you said you had a decent day of fishing on Wednesday of decent weather. Obviously, the weather progressed to worse and worse as the week went on, leading to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, by tournament day, you guys were fishing in four-footers, like you had mentioned. How did that change your style of fishing? Um, it really didn't. Really? Okay. It didn't. And that that's, you know, if you talk to Freddie, that's one of my other things is um, – on the turn doing tournaments, you can't be wishy-washy with your decisions. If you make a decision, you have to commit. Okay. You know, like for example, we ran into this one time where we weren't marking any fish for a while pre-fishing and, um, we're like, all right, let's bring the lines in. We start bringing the lines in and all of a sudden our graph was just full of fish. And he was like, well, what about, you know, should we just leave them in? I said, Nope, we got to commit just stuff like that. You know, it's, got to commit can't, we had can't our, second guess yourself right we had our we had our plan on tournament day and we knew it was going to be rough we had again we had the equipment to pull it off um and we you know we had we had our plan we had what we were going to do and we said well this is it this is this is all we knew this is all we learned based on pre-fishing and um we went with it and it, it paid off so when you guys are pulling your lines um you know, did you ever have to think like, or did you put into your plan different methods of fishing, like trolling versus, I don't know if you guys are just drifting at one point with, I mean, talk a little bit about, you don't have to give like specific, you know, colors of baits or anything like that, but were you guys pulling cranks? Were you guys pitching a jig anywhere on a, on a reef or anything like that? Yeah, no, we, we trolled cranks the entire time. Okay. Um, we, we pre-fished for, a little while with uh, crawlers just because of the time of year and the, the water temperature with, you know, with being pretty far up there, we figured yeah. we thought maybe one, one would outperform the other. And it was kind of neck and neck and actually cranks for us outfished, uh, outfished the crawler harnesses. But as far as um, colors and stuff like that, um, I mean, for four days straight, we used roughly the same same kind of colors. Same, um, same program that you guys have been running all week. Yeah. it. Uh, we just changed a couple locations and that was it. When that wind picked up, did the how did the fish react? I mean, if you were to describe to it like on the graph, did it stay the same when you were out there fishing Wednesday? Did they say, did you find yourself saying, wow, the wind has got the bait pushed around here, maybe more lower in the water column or the fish hitting up? Like kind of, I mean, was there anything that you noticed uh, when the weather shifted that dramatically? Well, Wednesday Wednesday was nice and calm. So it was just a typical kind of like typical Michigan day for us. Yeah. So we didn't really we didn't really learn a whole lot on, on Wednesday fish in Michigan waters. But on Thursday and Friday, um, we did. We learned a lot. Um, you know, I believe was it Friday morning? It was you know, twos to threes, maybe occasional four here or there, but we were able to keep a slow troll okay. down. And then as the day went on, um, the boat wouldn't go slower than two miles an hour. So we were stuck fishing faster than we wanted to. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, you know, and then as the day goes on, yeah, 
you hear this from a lot of people, and this is I really didn't believe this until this last tournament because um, I never I've never seen it. But during tournament days, I actually saw is the fish swim into the wind, the bait swims into the wind, the fish swim into the wind. Okay, and um, we noticed on tournament day that where we fished our first couple passes to where we ended up was farther into the wind almost every single pass. It was pretty it was pretty surreal to see that. Wow. That's what that's what I wanted to kind of like figure out what was going on out there and kind of, you know, get your opinion because I think a lot of people when you guys are faced with that kind of um, you know, adversity out there from day to day in the in in you know, you're the like you just were describing. You don't really fish the same way on Wednesday as you do when that wind picks up. So I was kind of seeing how you guys would adapt to that and what patterns that you would notice, because I think a lot of people need to figure that out or you know need to realize like, hey, take a breath. Uh, yeah, it's windy out here, but how are those fish going to be reacting differently? Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, in those types of winds, I think the only thing you can really do is troll. I mean, unless you want to wear your batteries down and spot lock and try to cast, cast or jig. Uh, We did see some, you know, some charters out there jigging, but they had a lot bigger boats and a lot better means of staying staying still than than we did. And then, uh, you know, with trolling, you're covering more ground, so you're able to get a bigger, wider view of what kind of fish are down there as opposed to staying in one spot. What advice would you give to someone, whether it's with equipment, uh, safety equipment, you know, tips or techniques when it comes to fishing in high winds like that? Um, is there something that you relied on more? Is there something, you know what I mean? Like what, what, what advice would you give? Like, Hey, if you're going out in high winds, I'd try this or I'd make sure you have this in the boat. I, I would say for one, um, and I, I learned this on my first two aluminum boats is your, your first thing is if, you know, Lake Erie can turn on you in a second and, if the boat says it'll take 175 horsepower, don't put the 90 horse on it. Put at least something close to the 175 horsepower. Like that helps you big time get, you know, get the boat out of its own way in, in waves like that. Um, that would be probably one, one of the most important things. I, I tell everybody that's looking for a new boat or buying a new boat, you know, some people are, well, you know, going from this horsepower to that horsepower costs an extra $1,200. I'm like, I would just max out the horsepower because right. you can never have too much, sure. much, especially in, you know, regardless of what kind of boat you have, um, just you got to have that power to get out of the way or get up on top of the wave or get down into the troughs of the waves or something like that. Like, I, I think having the power, the max power that the boat is rated for, I think is one of the most important ones. Yeah, that's it. You're right. And that's something that a lot of people always, you know, might skimp on where they're saying, well, I had a 90 horsepower on my last boat or I had 150 on my last boat and it worked just fine. But, you know, a lot of the times when they give out their specs or people are giving their reviews on the performance, a lot of the times they have that heavier motor on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, when I was, you know, your typical weekend fun fishing guy, I didn't, my 18 footer had a 115 on it. And I was like, heck, it does 42 miles an hour. I'll never need to go faster than this. I'll never need more power than this. I'll never need a bigger boat than this. And then. Until you, you know, do. <laughs> until, well, until, you, you know, tournament, I, I don't think every single person needs to have a ranger. Sure. Um, but 
if, if you want to compete and make the playing field as level as possible, I would say a big glass boat with a high horsepower engine is pretty much baseline for for most of the uh, most of the competition. Yeah. So you know, as we were talking about, the tournament got worse, basically, right? Wind wise, as as you guys were progressing, talk about day one. Um, where you guys finished and, uh, going into day two. Yeah. Day one, um, the wind kind of switched. So it laid down for the morning. We knew we were going to be able to get out to where we wanted to go. Um, we had a 30 mile run right off the get go. And we said, well, we'll fish out there and hopefully our, our fish are still there. And so we were able to go wide open throttle all the way out to our first spot, which was out by the, uh, out by the islands mm-hmm. and probably around noon, it started getting worse. And then we had another spot that was closer in, you know, another 10 or 12 miles, uh, west of there. So we, you know, our first spot was kind of a bust. We got our five fish, but we, they weren't the pre-fish that we were catching. And then we, went to another spot that we pre-fished on Thursday and we ended up finishing it out there. We figured, all right, well, we got our five at spot a, you know, you'd, we knew there was fish there at our first spot and you know, you don't leave the old rule. You don't leave fish to find fish. Right. Right. So we didn't move from that first spot until we got our limit. And, you know, for me being on the, in a tournament, Priority number one is get five fish. Come to the scales with five fish. So once we get that five fish out of the way, then it's huge relief off my shoulders and Freddie's shoulders. And then we go. Then you upgrade. Uh, then we go. Then we go upgrade for the rest of the day. Sure. And I, th- I think we did it pretty well. We, you know, made it made our far run on day one. And about halfway through the day, we made it. You know, another 10, 12 miles closer to uh, Monroe Bulls Harbor. And we finished out the day there. And what time did we have to be in? We had to be in at 3.30. And I think we gave ourselves an hour to get back. We were 17 miles away. We gave ourselves an hour to get back in four plus footers. And it was like a southwest wind, west wind. So we are heading right into the yeah, waves. Yeah, I was say, you're going right back to where you need to get to into the for, wind. Yeah, for 17 miles. How'd that it, feel? It wasn't bad. Um, <laughs> I... I don't like to beat my boat up very much, um, you know, because it I, I can't run charges if I have a broken boat. So I don't beat it up too bad. Um, I also have air suspension seats that are worth their weight in gold. Uh, I would recommend anybody. That- yeah, I mean, especially if you're getting on the big bodies of water and you're buying this big boat. I mean, I think those air those airwave seats and you know they're a must. You got to have them, especially if you're going to be running as far as you guys did. Yeah. And I've heard stories, you know, in past tournaments, people breaking their backs and, you know, there was a couple injuries on day one, um, from pretty much the same thing. I don't know if the guy had air suspension seats or not, but, um, he didn't end up fishing day two. So, you know, if, that's more of a, maybe a safety, I guess more of a safety thing in my, that's how I view it is more of a safety thing than anything. I don't like to get injured. I don't like to injure anybody. Well, just longevity of fishing. Like how long do you want to do this for? If you're not going to spend the money, it's either you're going to pay now or pay later, you know? Right. Right. And, uh, yeah, they definitely, they definitely help. I wouldn't say you have to have them. 
but I am able to say every single boat that I own will have them. Yep. So you guys run back in day one. What'd you guys, what'd you guys weigh in at day one? And where'd you ran back in day one? I think we did 24, 11, 24 pounds, 11 ounces. Um, and that was after day one, we were sitting in 12th place. Out of how many boats? Out of 85. It's pretty good. Yeah. And you know, with it being eerie, Fred and I talked on the way in, you know, with 24 pounds, we were, we were like, yeah, hey, well, we're, you know, we're going to be in the middle of the pack. You know, our, our whole goal from the get go was, uh, to give us a shot on day two. Like you can't win a tournament on day one, but you can dang near lose a tournament in day one. Yeah. So we, we were really happy when we came in and, they were like, oh, yeah, you're 12th place after day one. I'm like, holy moly. Because um, there was like uh, MWC, I believe, was out there. There was a couple tournaments a, couple, a weekend prior and then a couple weekends prior to that where they were pulling, you know, 44 pounds. And uh, I think the MWC, I believe, was like 36 pounds a day was pulling, getting pulled. Okay. So we figured, we figured 24 pounds would be middle of the pack. But. You know, just that, yeah, I don't know, that uh, the attitude that I have is, you know, just we we gave it our best and came in and it, it paid off. I, I always think we're way worse than we actually are for some reason. Well, it's be- better to be pleasantly surprised, right? Yeah. Well, I, that's the other thing. Maybe like, you know, keep your expectations low. <laughs> sure. You know, keep your expectations low so you feels a lot better when you when you get in there what did you see a lot of people weighing like obviously you guys are in the top 12 but why do you think like what do you think separated you guys from you know the bottom two-thirds of the field uh, i think location would have been one of them um and that day or that whole weekend there's a spot in michigan that holds big fish mm-hmm. um almost all year round it holds it holds good fish it's the spot that i take a lot of my charters too and uh those all those places were just mud and you couldn't see six inches into the water wow so um because it was it was a northeast wind for the from wednesday thursday friday if i'm not mistaken so it was just beating up that eastern shoreline of michigan and next thing you know it's it's just chocolate milk so there wasn't a whole a lot of fishable areas in Michigan and for the people that had the smaller boats or didn't want to beat up their boat or anything like that, they were kind of stuck pretty tight. Um, and Michigan during our pre-fishing, Michigan was either chocolate milk or crystal clear. There wasn't a whole lot of areas that were that kind of, uh, stained water that you look for, for a good walleye bite. Right. And then, so you guys finished 12th top, or day one. Um, I was remember texting Freddie. He was pretty stoked about it, and I thought that was great. And then I was like waking up day two, and I seen how windy it was getting. And I was like, wow, I can't imagine being out on Erie in Sunday because Sunday got even windier. Yeah, it didn't stop from Saturday afternoon through the night. Um, I remember waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning or something, and – you know, I could just hear the wind howling in the middle of the night. And, uh, yeah, how's that were, feeling? It's, you know, I, I don't, I was dreading it. I was really, really dreading it. Thank and, you. Thank you for being honest. Cause I've been, and, fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was, I, 
didn't want to go, you know, there was some talks about, oh, well, if there's a small craft advisory, they're going to cancel day two. Uh-huh. Um, which I was like, okay, fine. I'm, I'm in the money. They paid down to, you know, 18th, 16th or 18th place, I believe. I was like, well, I'm in the money. That's fine. Whatever. You know, we'll get 800 bucks yeah. and only fish one day and not have to beat the crap out of ourselves. Um, but then at the same time, this current boat that I have, I just bought last year mm-hmm. and it's, you know, Rangers new, newer hull style and everything. And this was the roughest water I've ever had the boat in. And I guess I was reminiscing of when I had my last Ranger with the slightly inferior hull that if I was in these four footers all day, three, four five footers all day, I would have been, I would have got my butt kicked. But you know, when we had got out there on Saturday, it was, it was fine. It was, you know, and that comes with seat time too. And like knowing your boat, knowing how to trim and throttle and how to quarter the waves and trough them, you know, and, uh, it was actually great. And I'm glad we fished. I was dreading it the night before. And Freddie was like, man, I hope we fish. I hope we fish. I'm like, dude, no, you don't, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and you know, by the time I woke up in the morning, I was like, you know what? It's going to be a good day. Like we're going to, we're going to do it. We're going to, we're going to go out there and fish. It's not going to be that bad because it couldn't, couldn't have been much worse than what Saturday was on the way, on the way coming in Saturday afternoon. So how did you guys game plan going out on day two? So you're, I mean, obviously the water's rougher, so you didn't go out to your 30 mile spot. Correct. Okay. So, you know, to stay in that top, you know, I think going in the day two already, like you said, like you're already starting to separate and divide that, 85 boat, uh, entry by a lot. Like in my opinion, I feel like that's when like the, that wind is really starting to separate the, the pack of boats. And now you're kind of just fishing with a smaller niche group of boats that you have to compete and beat. Yeah. And there were some guys, um, you know, Facebook's kind of neat. Cause you can see some of the guys that post like their day one recap, you know, there was a team that split the keel of their boat there was another team that lost his whole kicker came right out of the transom you know and that's that's the price you pay for you know that's eerie that's that's eerie and that's you know it's some of them could be glass boats some yo that's another thing somebody like lost a windshield you know it's it's one of those things so yeah i figured i said well anybody that's in the money or in the hunt is going to sacrifice, you know, more pounding on the boat and all that other stuff. And that's what I told Fred going into it. I said, we have no choice, but to go back there, Right. we have no choice. We know there's good fish out there. We have no choice, but to go. So you make it out, you get your five, you guys are heading back in day two. How did day two compare to day one weight wise? Um, we had scales on the boat. So, we knew we were coming in with right around the same and to be consistent two days in a row for me is, is a big deal. Okay. Like I like that. I I don't want to drop down. You would like to improve. So we thought we were coming in around the same. Um, we were were trying to weigh the fish and, you know, ridiculous waves. So the scale was fluctuating a little bit. And, but when we did get in, I think the weight was a little over a half pound more than what we saw on, on our scales. Okay. Which was good. You know, we thought we had high 24s and we saw 25, I think it was 25, 6, okay. 25, 5, no, 25, 55. 
and we were like, oh, this is nice. And, you know, we were one of the, I think we were the second flight in. They did the weights and four flights. We were the second flight in. And um, they, when we weighed in, we were sitting in fifth place. And we were sitting in fifth place for quite a while. And then uh, the the Michigan Walleye Tour, what they do this year, which is kind of neat and, and new, is uh, the guys that were in top 10 that after day one, they wait. Those are the last guys to weigh in. Oh, cool. So we were sitting, I think we were sitting in like sixth or seventh place before the top 10 guys came in. And a couple of those top 10 guys did the same. And some of the top 10 guys didn't do as good. So uh, we actually went up from 12th place to ninth place. And you guys finished in ninth? Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. Congratulations. That's badass. Thank you. Yeah. How'd you feel? I felt great. That's my first top 10 finish in, uh, in the Michigan walleye tour. Oh yeah. And you know, there's a lot of, there's, you got the best anglers in the state. And again, you got guys from out of state too, coming in to do this stuff. It's, it's stiff competition. Sure. It really is. Well, think of all the Ohio guys and gals too, coming up. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, that's their body of water too. No matter what side they're fishing from, all they got to do is get back to where they're comfortable. And they, that's a, that's a, not, well, in this case, it was a rough drive over to there, but. Yeah. Know, there's the Ohio water. I don't, I don't know how many people from Ohio were actually in it. I, I saw some chatter on, on social media about some people that, you know, were interested in getting into it and some pretty well-known people as well. I don't, I don't think they actually got into it, but. That's cool, man. That, you know, if you just kind of recap of where you started into where you're at now um you know starting in just like a 16 foot boat like you had talked about going into a guide business going into glass you know 621s or whatever you know ranger you have and then you know landing a top 10 to finish in your home state on your home body of water for the most part uh that's pretty cool yeah yeah and you know they always tell you that you're your home body of water is the hardest to win on because you fish, you're stuck fishing memories. You're stuck fishing memories. So, and then it's probably kind of why we resorted to doing the farther run because the amount of hours Freddie and I spend in Michigan waters, I think we got, we would have got our clock cleaned if we would have stayed in Michigan. So you got a top 10 finish and I know knowing, like you said, bettering yourself and just wanting to compete. How did that top 10 finish um, or what has it done as you look into your future competitive competitions? Like what was that drive or what's that next goal that you have set? Uh, as of right now, it just pretty much said I can play ball. Gotcha. Right. Um, you know, our last two tournaments, actually our last two Michigan walleye tours, uh, the Detroit river one, I, we missed the, uh, we missed the money by 0.22 of a pound less than a quarter of a pound. Okay. Um, and then this one, yeah, coming in top 10 was, was pretty nice. And it, it just further instilled my, my theories of giving it a shot, you know, fish when it's going to rain fish, when it's going to blow like crazy, as long as it's safe. Right. Right. Yeah. Within Um, reason. Don't be insane. Right. Don't go out there in a 16 footer and, you know, risk it. But, when it comes down to that, just don't be lazy to pre-fish. That's like, that's my, that's my biggest takeaway from the entire thing this year so far is just, you got to try. Gotcha. Well, that's great, man. 
And now you get to, uh, you said you're not, you're not fishing, fishing any of the other events. No, no, I, I would love to, but like I said, there's, uh, you know, family commitments and that's a lot of time off of, uh, work, a lot of time off of work, a lot of time away from the family. Yeah. And, uh, I hear you, you know, we, we kind of had a deal where I would just kind of stick around and do the local ones. So, and you know, Maybe if I wasn't chartering, I'd probably be able to do more, but doing the charters on the weekends and the tournaments on the weekends, it's it's a lot. What's the name of your charter so everybody knows? It's Full Throttle Sport Fishing. I like it. Yeah. That's and, dope. Uh, I'm, like I said, mostly out of Erie, Detroit River, do Saginaw, or Saginaw Bay, uh, Lake St. Clair as well. Um, how's your schedule filling up? Uh, surprisingly, this year it's been crazy. I'm I'm from april i was booked all the way out till mid-june that's awesome and i just i just pretty much i pretty much stopped putting out open dates right now just to let let everything settle down and you know i know i got summer coming up and you know they want to do some camping stuff with the family so i gotta gotta do that little balance but uh i'm you know mainly a weekend guy okay just because i have i have a normal job as well sure um, but during big runs, you know, big walleye runs, uh, I will take time off and, you know, if they have the, uh, Ohio fall brawl in November and December. I'll probably take a week off and charter out of Ohio for, for that week to get into the fall brawl. And, you know, the, uh, Detroit river run, I had a whole week off for that, but the, week that i had off leading up to the michigan walleye tour out, right? wasn't it didn't pan out so i just went back to work yeah i said well, well i'll i'll show up well man i don't know what you did but you uh you know you shook something crazy into freddie he sold his boat and you know just as i think he's going to upgrade to something of your caliber and uh so he whatever happened during the storm or whatever you guys did out there um it shook him crazy and inspired him to take his next step. So that was kind of cool to see. Yeah. He, uh, that was, I, I kind of did that on purpose. Did I you? Know he's probably, I know he's going to listen to this too. <laughs> he's, so we were out there, uh, when we were pre-fishing, I just sat in the passenger seat. He drove my boat all day long on, uh, on Wednesday. He drove it a little bit on Thursday in the rough water. I just let him drive it. He didn't drive it during the tournament, but, I let him drive it. And then during the tournament, he just, we got on shore and he was like, man, that's, he said, nothing rides like that. Nope. Like, nope. I said, it's, it's definitely. And like I said, I don't think everybody needs one, but if you're going to compete in some big time stuff, uh, I, that's kind of a minimum. That's kind of a, a baseline. And, you know, he was saying, oh, he was, he was looking at different boats. He was looking at aluminums and stuff yeah. like that. And he kept telling me, oh, the glass isn't all it's cracked up to be, Ryan. Glass isn't all it's cracked up to be. Four days in a glass boat changed his mind. Ah. Well, that's <laughs> cool, man. Hey, we'll have to have you back on, too, because I know you, uh, you do a lot of your own rigging on your boats and things like that. And I think um, we, oh, could, yeah. we could develop a nice little podcast to help some folks, uh, especially if buying a, you know, a, a fiberglass boat. Uh, you know, I, I would imagine that's intimidating as hell to drill into. So I think, uh, to have you back on in the future, if you're up for it, would be pretty cool. Yeah, I'd be glad to. That's, that's definitely one of my, one of my other side hobbies is, you know, the, the electronic side and, and the rigging and everything. I'm a, I'm a nerd when it comes to Lawrence and electronics. So, 
Awesome. I help help a lot of guys out, help a lot of my buddies out that are on the Michigan walleye tour and, you know, rewired a bunch of guys' boats and re-rigged a bunch of theirs and teach them how to use their electronics. And actually one of the boats, they finished second place. Oh, great. Well, I'm glad I know you now because if I ever get one in the future, I'm, you're going to be one of my first calls I make. No problem. I got no problem. Like I said, I'm a coach, man. I have no problem helping people out. Well, I appreciate it. So give every folks, uh, you know, your, your handles on social and uh, where they can go to uh, maybe sign up for a charter with you. Yeah. On Facebook, it's uh, facebook.com slash full throttle sport fishing charters. And on Instagram is full underscore throttle underscore sport fishing. Um, my contact information, phone number and everything is in there. You can shoot me a message on any of those platforms. They're all connected together to book a charter. Um, like I said, I do walleye mostly. And then in the fall I'll do uh, Lake Erie perch. Okay. Perch has been, perch has been pretty good, uh, last couple of years. Um, but we, we can go, my, I think I was only out of my boat for a month last year, month and a half. So I'm pretty much open all year round. As long as there's no ice for fishing, cause there's always walleye to be found somewhere. That's great, man. You're going all out on the charter business too. Mm-hmm. Great. Yep. All right, Ryan. Well, thanks for your time tonight. And, uh, yeah, everybody go follow them, hit them up. If you guys want to book a charter and, uh, Hey, best of luck in the future with, um, you know, your next endeavor and, uh, your competition. Yeah. Thanks Lee. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. I mean, there it is. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to take that next step, push yourself to become better at your craft of whatever that is. And maybe it's fishing. And, uh, I think Ryan gave a great perspective there of, you know, what he had to do and what he had to overcome to, uh, to take his, his, uh, tournament fishing to the next level and him in front of you did a hell of a job. And, uh, you know, another congratulations to them on their recent ninth place, ninth place finish on, uh, on such a big stage. So it was kind of cool to see that story unfold and all the adversity that they faced and high winds and stuff like that during the tournament. It's really cool to see and, uh, to get a, a perspective from, um, um, you know, someone who considers themselves still up and coming and, you know, young in the, uh, the, the tournament fishing world, uh, on a big stage like the Michigan walleye tour. So thanks again for Ryan for coming on. Make sure you get, head on over guys to his social handles that he just mentioned and also to check out his charter fishing business, full throttle sport fishing. So, and you know that, uh, you know, I'm going to keep these episodes coming your guys' way, putting them out. And remember to follow me over on social and Instagram. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Give it a five-star review if you think that it deserves one. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.